Hi, my name is Rhett Barden, and I'm the lead pastor of One Life Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. At One Life Church, we exist to help you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. For more information on how you can be a part, please visit us online at olc.church. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning again. It is so good to see everybody here, and now the lights are on so I can actually see your faces. It's amazing. No, it is so good to be together. How many of you had a great 4th of July weekend? Yeah. How many of you uh, fired off your own fireworks? Okay, awesome, wonderful. Everyone's like, I'm not admitting that. (laughs) What are you talking about? (laughs) Uh, How many of you went somewhere and watched the fireworks? Okay, awesome, awesome. It it uh, It was a great time to be together. Hopefully you had fun with family and friends and were just able to unwind and have an extra day off and just enjoy it was a great day. It was a great day. Well, I am, uh, I'm glad you're here today. We're going to get ready to jump into the Word, and we're going to talk about a topic today uh, that is a benefit of relationship, which is boldness. Boldness. Um, and I'll, I'll explain what I mean as we get into that. Um, but first of all, uh, this Saturday, I just want to make you aware, if you're not aware already, that this Saturday is Serve Day. Come on, it's Serve Day. Serve Day is, uh, is awesome because it's our opportunity where we get to be the hands and the feet of Jesus, extremely tangible in our neighborhoods. And, uh, and we get to do that this Saturday all over the place. Um, the way that it works this summer is there's not gonna be one specific thing that's happening in one location, but all of the groups that have been meeting over the summer have decided an, a way and a specific place that they are going to serve the community and serve with the love of Jesus. And so if you're part of a small group that's been meeting through the semester, uh, you know that uh, you've been planning for what you're going to do this Saturday. Uh, if you'd still like to jump on board with that, you can. You can go to our website or you can text OLC groups. I didn't have the slide. That's my bad, not theirs. OLC groups to 94,000 and you can find a group. Re- groups are actually wrapping up this week. So we're coming to the end of our, our small group semester this week, but you can still jump into one to find out where they're serving, where they're doing serve day and all that kind of stuff. Okay. So that's all there. If you're looking for a a, a way or some ideas of how you can actually serve the community, um, on our website, there's this picture and you click into it and it'll give you a bunch of ideas about ways that you can serve in the community. All right. So there, we put a bunch of stuff together so that you can be able to do that. So, uh, I think that this is a really, really cool thing that we get to be able to do to love our community around us. Everyone say amen. That's, yeah, it's, this, is, this is pretty cool. And today is actually going to really tie into uh, that whole idea um, in preparing us and preparing our hearts and our minds for what's going to happen uh, this next weekend. So as we jump into the message today, uh, we are a note-taking church, and so you can take notes the good old-fashioned way with a paper and pen and uh, keep that down, or you can text OLC notes to 94,000. You can get them to your phone, fill in the blanks track along, know how far I am from the end of service and say, he's not going to get through anything. You can do that. And it's great. It's, you can have a lot of fun. How many have ever done that before? (laughs) You're looking through like, he's not going to (laughs) finish. I can, I can do it. 
But you can text notes and have those right to your phone and follow along today. Um, have you ever noticed that there are certain things that um, just work better when you do it with other people? Uh, and, and have you noticed that there's actually times where you would maybe try new things or things that maybe would make you uncomfortable if it was just by yourself? Like if you're doing things with people, you have a certain level of boldness that you maybe wouldn't otherwise. If you ever question this, just go to the mall or to the village or whatever and look at a group of teenagers running around the mall. They will do that, right? The things that they do together in a group brings an added level of boldness, right? But there's things that you, you, you do with people that actually give you more boldness. Like, like, like for example, uh, bungee jumping or, or, or skydiving, right? Not necessarily something some people do, but not everyone wakes up one morning by themselves going, today I'm going to go jump out of a plane. No, it takes people going, let's do this. We're going to do this. We're going to go jump out of a plane together. It's going to be awesome, right? You're much more inclined to do something like that if it's with a group of people. Now, there are people that are brave and they're bold and they can just, that's, that's wonderful. That's awesome. That's, that's very exciting. Um, or, or maybe eating new food. Uh, I know I'm more inclined to go try a new place or to try some new cuisine if I'm going with people and we're all doing it together. You know, let's all, let's all taste this together. When I was in third, fifth grade, when I was in fifth grade, I went to Japan and it was awesome. But in Japan, um, if you've ever been there, the food is very different than it is here. <laughs> just, it just is, you know. First time you're cutting through what they call Japanese pizza and you pull out a tentacle and you're like, well, I have a choice right now. I, I, I have a choice, I, and I should make a choice to eat this, right? And, uh, and so, but if you're with people, you have, you're not like, we could do this. Let's all, let's all eat it together, right? There's stuff you could do. Or, or has anybody ever done um, an escape room before? Anybody ever done an escape room before? Uh, an escape room essentially is where you go and you get locked in a room and you have to get out. It's really fun. <laughs> <laughs> they actually are a lot of fun, but they're way more fun if you do it with people. And you're more inclined to do one of these escape rooms if you go with people, right? It's really kind of a drag if you just go in by yourself and it's like, all right, you've got an hour, figure out all the puzzles. <laughs> oh boy, you know, in fair, they don't really lock you in like you can actually get out. That would be a whole nother level. Man, oh boy, I would get claustrophobic. I just would. But you're more inclined to do things like that if you are with a group of people. Uh, last 4th of July, and actually, really, my, my kids, all three of them, fireworks have always been a little bit of an issue, right? They haven't really enjoyed fireworks, the loudness and, and all of this. And so every year at the 4th of July, we kind of work through things with them and, and try to get them to be brave and end up filling, filling them full of melatonin and putting them to bed at 7 o'clock. And then they just sleep through. So, uh, so it goes real good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, don't judge us. Trust me. It's way better than the alternative. <laughs> that, did you hear that firework? Yeah, it's like 20 miles away, you know. Um, but anyway, it's always been an issue. And this last weekend, we had a family coming in. Some of you probably met, with, or met them last weekend. They stayed with us for the weekend. And um, their kids love fireworks. And so it got to be the 4th of July and we're talking about what to do. And my kids were like, yeah, let's go see fireworks. I'm like, you would never say that if it was just us, you know? Like, are you my children? <laughs> COVID, you know? Um, 
but, but they were excited to do something. Why? Because they were with their friends. And so they had a boldness, like, yeah, let's do this. Let's do this. Now, we did have to end up working through things with them while they were there. And, and it was a great opportunity for them to, to grow. And my daughter, Simone, she, I love her so much. She had the hardest time. And we were able to work through that. But the very fact that she said she would actually go do it because she was with somebody else, I thought was really cool. There's just some things that are better together and there's just something about doing these things together. And this is very, very true for us as believers as well. The difference is that, that it has an outworking that looks a little bit different. Because as we as believers do life together and as we encourage one another and as we live in each other's world, we then bring a boldness to each of us individually. But the boldness is not just to do things that we wouldn't do before. It's specifically centered around the extending of the kingdom of God and sharing the love of Christ in our communities. Which sounds awesome. But who would be honest and say, you know, sometimes it's hard to do that. There's either fear or there's experiences that have taken place that then when we're said, and, and a pastor stands up here on a Sunday, come on, this week, let's go out and let's be bold for Christ. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> what, what does that mean? But this is where the body of Christ comes together because we strengthen one another yeah. towards this idea of being bold for Christ. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that we're always around each other 24-7, and we're always there just to be like, you got this. But you know what? We have, I wish we had a way to connect with one another. <laughs> How I wish there was a way. We have, everyone has one of these. Did you know that you are one text message away from anybody else here? If you want some encouragement and you need somebody to come alongside you, pray for you, send you a verse, lift you up so that you have boldness to be able to carry out the love of Christ and to be able to carry out the extending of the kingdom, you're one text message away. I'll give you my number. You can text me. Hey, I'm going into work today and I know that my boss is not a believer and I know that I'm going to have to talk with him and I'm going to have to have a lot of boldness to be able to live out my faith in a situation where that isn't favorable. You text me. I'll send you five different verses and pray for you right there and then. But it's not just me. We do that for each other. Yeah. And so we bring this ability for us to be able to live out boldness in our communities. This is the way God intended it for, be, for us to be. Now, uh, what I want to do today is do something a little bit different. We're going to just walk through a story in the Bible about three guys who had this opportunity to be bold in the face of a culture that was completely opposite to their belief system. And I wanted to pull this because I think there's a lot of comparisons to our world. Let me give you a little context. We're going to talk about the three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Familiar with them? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, okay? And they had a fourth friend, Daniel, who we're familiar with, right? Now, these three guys were Jews, and they were part of the exile when Babylon invaded Israel and exiled them into captivity and brought them into Babylon. Now, Babylon was a culture that was completely different and did not stand for anything that they believed in and stood against everything they believed in. 
And yet they were exiled and brought in to this culture where they suddenly had to stand up and make a decision to be bold for what they actually believed, even though it was the opposite of culture. Does that sound familiar? Okay. So this is, this is what they lived in. They lived as foreigners. They were foreigners in the land of Babylon. We, as believers, are referred to as citizens of heaven, which means this isn't home. Now, it's okay to enjoy here. It is totally okay to enjoy and to build relationship and enjoy the life that God's given to us. That's what we're supposed to do. But we shouldn't get too comfortable here because this isn't home. Our home is anchored in something that is undefilable, can't be torn out. It's something that's sure, and it's something that has a foundation that's built in something much, much stronger than rock. Our, our, our home can't be touched. And this is where we're headed towards, but God has placed us here for a reason, not an accident. Shadrach, Meshach, Shadrach, Meshach, the three dudes... Uh, it's going to be a long day if I got to say their names every time. Uh, the three friends, you better believe that they were placed in Babylon for a specific time and season. It was not an accident that they were there. It is not an accident that you are here living in the world that we are in the year 2022 in Nampa, Idaho. You are here on purpose, for a purpose. And yes, we are foreigners because this is not our home. We, we get to look forward to heaven, which I'm actually really excited about. But we are called to influence this world for Christ, to spread the kingdom, to spread the love of Christ. And in this is where we strengthen one another to be able to have boldness to do that. So these three guys stepped into this world and these three friends formed a close-knit bond as foreigners that allowed them to be bold in the face of culture. There was a couple opportunities for them to do this. One, which I'm not going to talk about today, but right when they were brought into Babylon, they were going to be served the king's food from the king's table, and we're going to be given to all these men, these, these wise, young, intelligent men. The problem was that the king's food was also food that was offered to idols, which for them was a big no-no. And so what they had to do is actually stand up in boldness and say, listen, hey, um, I, know what's, I know what you're saying and I know what you want us to do, but we can't do that. So try us for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables and water. I don't know what they were thinking. Um, ve vegetables and water for 10 days. And at the end of 10 days, I want you to look and see where we are at compared to those who eat the food off of the king's table. So they did it. And what happened? They were stronger. They were healthier. Their skin had a better complexion. It was, it was amazing compared to what the others were. So what did the guy in charge do? He started giving everybody vegetables. And that is where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego became very famous with everybody else. <laughs> oh, you were the guys that gave us broccoli. Okay. But they had this experience and they understood when they were obedient and stood in boldness that there was a blessing that was attached to it. So now fast forward to the story that we're going to be at today. Nebuchadnezzar, who was a really, really, really humble man, not at all, built a hundred foot statue of himself. 
and told everyone, listen, when you hear the music, I want you to bow down and I want you to worship the image of me. Now, these three would not do that because it went against everything they believed in. And what was really powerful about this is, and if you know the story, if you didn't bow down in worship, you were going to be thrown into what? The fiery furnace and burned alive. So these three were met with a, a very, very specific crossroads of what to do. Were they going to be bold in culture as foreigners that stood for something greater than the authority of the land and the influence of the culture around them? Or were they going to cave to what was going to go on? So they were faced with this. Now, they made the decision to not bow. They made the decision to stand in boldness for what they believed. And this got them in a really hot situation. <laughs> Brian, come on, man. <laughs> Brian and I talked this morning, and I was like, dude, I'll always laugh at your jokes if you always laugh at my jokes. It left me hanging again, man. <laughs> Daniel 3, Daniel 3. Let's jump into Daniel 3, and we're going to start in verse 13. After they refused to bow down, then in a furious rage, Nebuchadnezzar gave orders to bring in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar asked them, is it true that you don't serve my gods or worship the gold statue I've set up? Now, if you're ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the drum, and every kind of music, fall and worship the statue I have made. But if you don't worship, you will immediately be thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. And who is the God who can rescue you from my power? They were immediately put in a position where they had to make a choice. Were they going to stand in boldness or were they going to bow? Here's the thing about boldness. This is your first blank. Boldness will bring opposition. It just will. Now, it does not mean that we will ever face a fiery furnace situation. I'm just saying, there aren't a whole, whole lot of those in Nampa. <laughs> just saying. I mean, I, maybe you know of one. You know, if you don't bow to a statue, you throw it. It might not happen. But I can say with 100% certainty that all of us will face opposition as we are bold for Christ. The opposition may be small. It might be a, a, a small little conversation where we have to, in the course of the conversation, decide, you know what, I'm going to make a statement because of what I believe that is contrary to maybe what others believe, but it's not really going to affect a whole lot except they're going to know where I stand and where my faith is. And then there might be massive situations where you know, if I make this stance, it's going to affect my family it's going to affect my workplace. It's going to affect my circle of friends. If I make this choice to boldly state what I believe and where I stand, it's going to really change things. You know this. Many of you have probably experienced it, this in your lives, is that that boldness does affect things. And there's opposition that comes. It's inevitable. And we have to understand then that that is going to be a part of life for us as believers. That in the world we live in, in the culture we live in, opposition is going to come. 
Now, how we handle that is something that we're going to learn from the three guys. <laughs> how we handle that. Now, now, here's what makes this whole thing challenging is that our culture has shifted the terminology and the definition of boldness to where boldness now, a lot of places in our culture is equated to brashness. If you, if you look at somebody and you say they're bold, what does that mean? They're, they're loud, they're very sure of themselves, and they know how to argue. That's what culture tells us. Oh, they're, they're bold, man, good grief. I don't even, I don't even know what to, to say about that. But can I say here today that based off of what I read in scripture from Jesus and what I read about these guys, boldness is not loud and boisterous. Boldness is is not based in self. Boldness is not about arguing. Boldness is about standing for a conviction that is deep inside of us. Now, will that lead to some of those conversations? Sure. Absolutely. It will. But for us to understand, and and, and, and you read the entire life of Christ, you read all four Gospels, Jesus did this so beautifully. He was bold with sharing truth, but he he never did it in a way that tore people down. Now, he would go after the religious leaders, but do you know why he did that? They knew better. He would go after them because he knew, they knew. And he was just frustrated. Here were the guys that were the pastors. Here were the guys that were supposed to be the shepherds of the flock. And they're just like, yeah, he got a little frustrated with them. But if you look at the majority of how Jesus was bold, it was boldness that was packaged in love where you walk away going, I was drastically challenged, but I feel like he still loved me. We have the same opportunity to do that to extend boldness and to be bold in the generation and in the culture that we live in, but have it completely wrapped in love to be able to pour that out to people around us. So in this moment, and for for these three and also for us, we have a choice when we come up to these moments of opposition. Will we continue to be bold and stand for what we believe or will we back down? Will we shy away, right? But the equally as important question I think that we need to ask is this. If I am going to be bold and I am going to stand for my faith and I am going to stand for my convictions and, my, and, and truth, then what is my boldness going to look like? Because as believers, that question is going to shape how everything goes together. What is the texture of Christ through us? What is the texture of our boldness. We jump back to our, our story here in verse 16. And verse 16 says this, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to give you an answer to this question. If the God we serve exists, then he can rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he can rescue us from the power of you, the king. But, and, and up to this point, they're not saying this in like an obstinate way. No, no, what they're doing is they're speaking as wise young men saying, listen, King, you, don't, you really don't need us to answer this question because you already know our answer. Our answer is that, that God will save us from you because of his authority and his power. They weren't being obstinate. It was just like, no, you, you, know, you know our answer to this already. 
But then they said something very bold in verse 18. But even if he does not rescue us, now this is where the rubber meets the road. Even if he doesn't rescue us, we want you as king to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. Now, that took boldness to a whole new level. Now, now you're not just saying politely, listen, king, you know that you know our stance, you know the God that we worship, you know that we cannot worship another God besides him, like, you know this, and, and he can save us, and he can do all this, and he can rescue us. Oh, but by the way, if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow. Wow, that's gutsy. That's really gutsy. <laughs> and I kind of get the picture of the three of them there, like, arm in arm, you know, <laughs> Okay, even if he doesn't save us, we're not going to bow, you know. I don't know if that's really how it is, but one picture I see is I see three individuals having the same conviction and the same heart and anchored to the same truth that we're able to stand in the face of a king and we're able to present their truth based off of scripture to that king. They were together and it brought strength. This is what we do to one another is we bring strength in that area. The second blank in your notes is that our boldness is motivated by love or respect and love. Is motivated by respect and love. Notice that these three in their interactions, they were never disrespectful to the king, but they never wavered from what they stood for. Okay? There is a way. It is very, very possible for us to stand for truth for us to stand for conviction, for us to stand for morality, and to do it in a way that is packaged in respect and love. Now, here's the thing, though, is that we need the Holy Spirit to help us do that. Because you know this, that every time you get in a conversation or, or you get into some sort of a conversation chat back and forth on, on Facebook, social media, any, anything like that, it's so easy for us to land in our perspective and our way of thinking at it from a human perspective. But if we have the Holy Spirit powering us and, our, and what we do is we start every day saying, God, help me today to have your perspective on this, that every person that I interact with, I have respect for them as another child of God that you died for. And I have a love that conditions everything that I say towards them. Because here's the important thing that we need to remember. If we wanna be bold for Christ in our communities, we need to make sure that we are also accu accurately representing Christ in our boldness. Amen. It's not enough just to say I'm going to be bold. No, we need to make sure that when we're boldly presenting Christ, we're boldly presenting an accurate representation of Christ. Yeah. This is really important. Because can I just be honest? Our world doesn't need us. Our world needs him. Our world doesn't need your opinion or my opinion. It doesn't need us to just say something else that we formulate out of some sort of mind thing. No, they need to know Christ through us. Yeah. And, and this, is why, this is why our boldness is so important. It's so that we can boldly declare Christ. Yeah. You read all the Pauline epistles, and this is all Paul ever says. I've decided to count everything else lost except for Christ, knowing him and him crucified. 
It's not about me. It's not about my smarts. Paul was the most intelligent, one of the most intelligent men in the Bible. He was extremely learned, extremely smart. He could argue circles around any of us in this room. But he said, none of that matters compared to Christ. Now, if he did that, I think that's a pretty good place for us to be. To land in that place. So here's a question to ask yourself. It's in your notes. What is the texture of Christ that we are representing in our boldness? What is the texture of Christ? When someone interacts with you, what, what kind of texture of Christ are they getting? Are they getting one that, that turns them away? That causes them to not want to have anything to do with Christ? Or did they leave you going, there was something totally different about that person and I want to know more. I want, I want to come closer because I've not encountered somebody like that before. My first job, I told you this was, I think I told you this, was at a pawn shop. And it was so interesting being the only believer that was there because so many times we would have these conversations just based off of how I was living life. And I wasn't doing anything special. I'm not saying this to toot my own horn, but as I was just living life, it drew out conversations that probably wouldn't have not been there if I was like, you cannot say that word around me. (laughs) Would have turned them away. But because I was just living out my love for Christ, my own personal relationship with Christ, it opened a door for them then to be able to come and say, "So so what's the deal with you? Literally, that's the question that somebody asked. What's the deal with you? What's up with you? I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) What's the texture of our life? Does it draw people in to wanting to know Christ? Or does it repel? Boldness in Christ means that I'm filled with the Holy Spirit and the word and respond to his leading, not my own. We're bold in the areas where God says to be bold. And we exercise self-control in the areas that we need to exercise self-control. That's all Holy Spirit empowered. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, called his church, called the believers, salt and light. You are salt and light. Here's the importance of this. Light, truth, absolutely permeates darkness. And it comes and dispels all darkness. We are called to be bold in carrying the truth of the word of God. Make no mistake. In a world that adopts every other truth, making up a truth, deciding what truth is, all that, we are called to be light to bring the truth into darkness of culture. But then he says, and salt, which means we bring a flavor In our truth, we bring a flavor that people want a little bit more. Oh, I like that truth. Oh, that's that's really good. I haven't thought about that before. Would Would you tell me more about that? Not because we lay the hammer down and say, well, the word of God says... No, we come at it from saying, listen, I have such a heart of God throwing flu... flu, Can't talk, but I have the spirit of God in me (laughs) through me. 
and I want to bring that love, and I want to bring the truth. Why? Because the truth will set you free. The truth will give you a life that you can't even imagine or comprehend. The truth will give you something that you can't find anywhere else. And so you begin to bring this, and you say, listen, there's such a better life that you can live. And that kind of a motivation causes people to go, whoa, I, I like that. I, I like that. So what are we doing in presenting truth and blight and salt to the world at the same time? Because I'm going to tell you right now, if nobody's attracted to the message of the gospel that you're carrying, they aren't going to want to have anything to do with you. It doesn't matter if you carry all the truth in the whole world. If they feel like there's no love that's there, they're not going to want to have anything to do with us. It's only, people will only be drawn to us and to the gospel when they experience first the love of Christ. It's the kindness of Christ that leads us to repentance. So this is what we get to carry, boldly loving, compassionately caring, giving people a hope and a purpose for life that culture doesn't do a good job of telling them. You guys with me? Okay. Let's remember... In everything, this is the world that God loves so much that he gave his one and only son to die for. Let's remember that. In every interaction, in everything, every conversation, in every opposition, remember, this is the world that he sent his son for. Okay, well, if he loves the world that much, I need to do that as well. So the three of them then, they acted out of respect for the king, but they also never wavered in their respect and really their fear of the Lord. You see, what happens is their respect and their fear of the Lord was much greater than their respect or their fear of man. And and what I mean is this, is when they're standing there and the authority of the land says this, their authority in, the he- in heaven said this. And they never wavered from that. Yeah. Knowing full well, it might not go well for them. But still making a stance to do that. Their respect for the Lord was greater than their fear of man. Jesus says this in Matthew, and I think this is just a really, really sobering scripture. Don't fear those who kill the body but are not able to kill the soul. Rather, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. What's it saying? Man can do all kinds of crazy stuff to our physical bodies, but the savior of our soul is Jesus. So for us to live for Jesus, even in this opportunity that we have to be bold for him, so what helped, this, what helped them to be able to do this? They understood, and their fear of the Lord was that the Lord carried both their now and their future. It was held in, in his hand. Another way of thinking about this is this. This is the third point on your notes. They had an eternal perspective, and that's what brought boldness. An eternal perspective brings boldness. If we can continually center our hearts and minds on the fact that there is an incredible reward coming. 
and that we get to go home, then man, it'll allow us to be able to stand up in boldness in situations that are sometimes very hard to do. It'll allow us to be able to do this. Peter writes about this in 1 Peter, and he encourages the church for boldness. And he says this in verse three, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. Not something that is rooted and can be destroyed, but it is a living hope. Uh, Find my place. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed at the last time. Paul is saying that, listen, even in the momentary sticky situations, even in the momentary opposition, even in the momentary stuff that drags you down, remember you have an inheritance in heaven. Remember Christ is coming. As dark as the world gets, remember he's on his way. And so he's saying, listen, listen, at that point, it really doesn't matter what happens because of what's to come. And this, for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and for us, can give us great boldness to live out our faith in Christ because we understand this and not just this. Now, that doesn't mean we live in some ethereal world where we just forget everything that goes on here. No, 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 no. We live here. God's planted us here right now in this place. And we have to make sure that we are doing everything to be salt, to be light, to be those that are carrying the love of Christ right here and now. But what motivates us to do that is when we lift our eyes and say, oh, come Jesus, come. Come Jesus, come. And we get excited about this. This is what we get to encourage each other in. Because we get to remind one another of the reward to come. And that even if we go through suffering, it's worth it because it's nothing compared to what's to come. Again, if you're in a place and you're like, I am fighting it and this is a hard day and this is, text one of us, call one of us, call a brother and sister in Christ and say, man, I'm struggling today. And we'll say this very thing. Hey, remember, remember the reward in heaven. Remember your inheritance of salvation that is coming for you. Remember that Christ is coming back. Remember that his spirit lives in you and greater is he that is in you that is he that is in the world. And suddenly you get off that phone call and you're like, I can do this. But that's where we have to band together as the body of Christ. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. I want you to look at the person next to you and say, God has not given you a spirit of fear. Go ahead. You may may talk amongst yourselves. But a power, love, and sound judgment. We don't just remind each other to be bold, but we remind each other of what's to come, which helps us to keep our perspective on heaven and will lead to boldness. Finishing out the story, Nebuchadnezzar was filled with rage. The expression on his face changed toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He gave orders to heat the furnace seven times more than customary. And he commanded some of his best soldiers in his army to tie them up, throw them into the furnace of blazing fire. So these men in their trousers, robes, head coverings, and other clothes were tied up, thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. 
Since the king's command was so urgent and the furnace extremely hot, the raging flames killed those men who carried them up. And these three men fell bound into the furnace of blazing fire. Then King Nebuchadnezzar, this is the coolest part of this whole story. Then King Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in alarm and he said to his advisors, didn't we throw three men bound into the fire? Yes, of course, your majesty. They replied to the king and he exclaimed, look, I see four men, not tied, walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. Number four is this, boldness will show people Jesus. Do you know what would have happened that day We don't know what would have happened that day if the three of those guys said, you know what, you're right. We're too scared, it's too much. All hail the statue. Nebuchadnezzar would have been missed. It would have been a missed opportunity for him to be able to see Jesus. Their boldness ushered in an opportunity in a moment where he was able to see Jesus. May our boldness be something that shows people Jesus. And then it ends like this. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the door of the furnace of the blazing fire and called, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you servants of the most high God, come out. So they came out of the fire. When the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the king's advisors gathered around, they saw that the fire had no effect on the bodies of these men. Remember, you have an inheritance in the kingdom of heaven that cannot be touched with fire. You may run into situations here, but what's in here cannot be touched. And then he says this, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel and rescued his servants and trusted in them. They violated the king's command and risked their lives rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. Therefore, I issue a decree that anyone of any people, nation, or language who says anything offensive against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be torn limb from limb and his house made a garbage dump. For there is no other God who is able to deliver like this. And you imagine the three going, you know, well, no, hold on, hold, hold on, Neb, hold on, hold on. You know, when, when, when I, you know, Nebuchadnezzar refers, you know, bow to the statue or be burned, you know? No, bow to their God or be torn apart. It's like, whoa, dude, like, let's, let's chill a little bit, you know? You know, three are like, this is not a good representation, you know? But the point being is that Nebuchadnezzar had this encounter with Christ because of the boldness of these three. This, uh, this weekend, we get the opportunity to be bold for Christ. We're gonna be out in our communities and we're gonna be sharing the love of Christ with people around us. And my prayer for us as a church and as a body is that what we bring this Saturday will be a boldness to share the gospel, to present the gospel in a way that's packaged with love, that draws people in to more of a desire to follow him. Maybe that means you'll have a conversation that you'll be able to talk with somebody about Christ. Maybe. Maybe it's just in the way that we serve and the demeanor on our faces, the spirit that we go into serving with that presents 
a, a representation of Christ to the world that goes, there's something different there. We get an opportunity to live that out this weekend. Wherever we're at, whatever we're doing, that we can be bold for Christ. As we close today, if you're listening to my voice, either here in the room or online, and you've never made a decision to follow Christ, I want to boldly proclaim to you that God loved you so much, he sent his son to die in your place so that the sin that all of us carry could be forgiven and washed away. If you are here today and you have never given your life to Christ and received the forgiveness for your sins, I want to give you the opportunity to do that today, whether you're in the room or online. This is an extremely bold declaration that you make with your life, that I'm giving my life to Christ. But I can tell you this, it's the best decision you will ever make. So if you're in this room, we're all going to pray this prayer together as a family. But if you're in this room, I want you or online to pray this prayer with boldness and believe it in your heart and something is going to change in your life. But everyone close your eyes together and let's pray this together. Jesus, I come to you with my life, with all the sin, with all the doubt, with all the fear, and I just bring it to you. And I ask you right now to come and to be the Lord of my life. Thank you for forgiving my sins. And today, I boldly declare, you are my Lord, you are my Savior, you are my God. And from this day forward, I'm going to live for you in everything I do. And everybody said, amen. Come on, can we put our hands together for those that prayed that prayer today for the very first time?